Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa, is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Let me take this opportunity to welcome you, Aubrey, and thank you very much, and welcome on board. I suppose the question that I want to ask immediately is the how you perceive the fractured nature of the ANC politics and the extent to which they are hamstrunging the economic growth, as it were. The first thing we have to remember is that on the 18th of December 2017, when uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa was elected the president of the ANC, um, he was elected um, only on the basis of a margin of uh, 2%. The National Executive Committee election was split 50-50. The top six was also split 50-50. What this means is that uh, there is an extent to which President Ramaphosa cannot make decisions or even govern without the consent of his enemies and political opponents in the ruling party. But more importantly, if you look at the policy framework that uh, was appointed, it is a policy framework that was uh, adopted, I mean, by conference. It is an economic policy uh, framework that he and his supporters did not support. For instance, his opponents uh, went to that conference arguing in favor of uh, radical economic transformation which uh, the Ramaphosa camp did not uh, support. Secondly, they went there arguing in favor of uh, the expropriation of land without compensation, the nationalization of uh, the Reserve Bank, all of which are policy positions that uh, the Ramaphosa platform did not support, which means Ramaphosa gets out of the NASRA conference in December 2017 as president of the ANC, who has to implement an economic policy framework that he and his supporters did not support, which means there was always going to be a tension between him and his supporters on the one hand and his opponents on the other when it came to the implementation of economic policy at the level of government. And what we have seen uh, is a situation where to a large extent, despite the fact that he has the advantage of uh, implementing his own policy uh, framework within the context of the state, he is unable to do so, constrained by, I think, a fear that if his opponents in the ANC thought he went too far in deviating from uh, their policy path, uh, that would be to his detriment as far as the second term as president of the ANC is concerned in 2022. Thank you very much for that insight. Well, here's a, a big question which most South Africans want clarity on, at least a perspective. There is this narrative which suggests that, you know, the, we, the, the system, as it were, or politics uh, under the Canada administration are dealing harshly with the Jacob Zuma faction and, and trading very softly with the with Ramaphosa administration. What's your take on that? Is, is there any merit in those in that kind of narrative? Well, there, there is a narrative I've never bought into. Uh, the idea of nine wasted years of the presidency of Jacob Zuma, which in my view was nine wasted years of ANC misrule, part of which included the period 
when the current president or the deputy president of both the country and the ANC. And therefore, if the failures of uh, the decade of Jacob Zuma as president of uh, uh, the ANC and, and the nine years as, as head of state delivered an order uh, that was disadvantageous to the national interest, particularly the economy in this case. It cannot be that one man, Jacob Zuma, should be blamed for all of that. The ANC as a whole should be blamed for the failures of the period between 2009, when Jacob Zuma became head of state, until February uh, 2018, when he left uh, the union building. So in my view, what we call the nine years of uh, uh, Jacob Zuma, um, the, nine, the nine wasted years of Jacob Zuma, are effectively nine wasted years of ANC misrule because the ANC collective at leadership level protected Jacob Zuma. You will remember the number of times, I think about eight, when there were um, motions of no confidence against Jacob Zuma, and Jacob Zuma was shielded by his party. The same people today who talk about nine wasted years when it was in their interests to shield Jacob Zuma, they did so. And when it was no longer in their interest to shield Jacob Zuma, because an electoral loss was beckoning in 2019, they decided to dump him. But but in, in the same vein, Aubrey, um, you know, we, we you know, under normal circumstances, we, we are all responsible. Accountability rests with executive. Um, it's therefore not correct to say um, the executive in, in the past, as in Jacob Zuma, for an example, the accountability, ultimate accountability lied with him in as much as he has, he's a, has, he has had the backing of the ANC. Uh, in the same way that um, in, the, in the current administration, we have the executive, uh, we have the president in the name of, of, of um, Sir Ramon Posa, ultimate accountability rest with him, not so much about the ANC. What's your take on that? Well, <laughs> to some extent, the, in this country, since 1994, uh, the separation of party uh, from the state is artificial. Because look at what happened to former President Tabombek. He was forced to resign by the party as head of state. Look at what, what happened to Jacob Zuma himself in February 2018. He was supposed to, re, he was forced to resign as head of state by the party. So this separation has proved to be an artificial one. In reality, it is the party, partly because of our electoral system that holds sway. So when it suits the ruling party, uh, the buck stops with this individual called the head of state. When it suits the, the ruling party, uh, the buck stops with the collective. As we're moving towards, you know, towards the, the end of the show, um, you know, here's something that, that, that sits with everybody else. Uh, Ramaphosa has ushered a, a, a new framework that would, that is meant to take the country out of the, 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 the economic cliff as it were. How optimistic um, are you in terms of 
getting the, the, the maximum, you know, points in terms of the GDP growth, which we're looking at 5% as opposed to 0.7 that we're currently seeing. And how optimistic are you? Or what's the general feeling as you converse with your colleagues in relation to execution of the turnaround strategy, um, uh, you know, under the leadership of, of Pre- President Ramaphosa? Well, I, I am not optimistic at all. Ratings agencies are not optimistic. International investors are not optimistic. In fact, after Ramaphosa delivered the State of the Nation address, um, big business, uh, particularly business units in South Africa, was quite bearish about the State of the Nation address. And you will remember that just before uh, Finance Minister Tito Mboweni delivered his uh, budget, Moody's made it very clear um, that they were not convinced that the policy promises that were being made by the ANC government and by the, by the finance minister would materialize. And, and you will also remember that after the delivery of the budget speech, we saw the rand strengthening, but look at where the rand is now. We have seen a correction um, in, in, in a southward direction, which means we, we have a crisis of believability. And we have a crisis of believability because ratings agencies and international investors no longer believe us. Because you can go back to the budget speech of 2013. You will see that more or less the promises of uh, budget, uh, um, not budget, fiscal prudence, uh, the promises of uh, growth um, and other promises were made in that budget speech. And what ratings agencies are saying, you've been making these noises for many years now. You have not delivered on these promises. Why should we believe you now? I mean, you're raising a very important point about the 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 patterns which uh, found expression in various uh, budget speeches. Are you saying, I mean, the rating agencies have, no, have lost confidence? I mean, in fact... By virtue of downgrading, it's it, it, it's a sign that we're not uh, in the pro, in, in in a correct trajectory that could um, prove to the investors that will will grow the economy. I mean, all the macroeconomic considerations, i.e., the land issue, for an example, the release of the spectrum, uh, and 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 the uh, transformation of SOEs have not moved. The needle has not moved significantly to warrant any confidence. Um, but but as we move forward. Uh, what are the trigger points that the Cyril Ramaphosa administration need to push um, to get to a point where there is that level of confidence? Well, I, I think he has to make a decision about whether winning a second term is more important than delivering on the policy promises the ANC government has been making, including his uh, own government. Now, you you you, you talked about uh, the, the, the spectrum, digital spectrum, um, which is running into legal problems, partly because the government has, 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 has been responsible for delay after delay as far as implementation in that respect is concerned. Uh, when it comes to the structural reforms that uh, ratings agencies and international investors have been calling for, again, um, if the Ramaphosa government starts delivering on those, starts delivering on the promises it is making on turning around state, state-owned 
um, agencies start delivering more decisively on arresting uh, corruption, then maybe, maybe um, ratings agencies and international investors will start believing him. But remember, he is in a bind. The more he delivers to ratings agencies and um, international investors, the greater the perception that he is doing so at the expense of workers, the working class, and the working poor. And if you've seen how Kosatu, in particular, a strong ally to uh, Ramaphosa in the lead-up to the Nazareth conference in uh, 2017, if we look at how critical they were of the content of the budget speech, it's very clear that South Africa may be moving towards a perfect storm of discontent. This is going to be a winter of discontent. The discontent of the middle class, the working class, the working poor, and the poor. I couldn't agree with you more, uh, but which means the president finds himself uh, in, 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 in a serious quagmire because it, it doesn't seem to, the, 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 we don't seem to have a clearer picture in terms of which trajectory or which uh, line he will take. But but South Africans ultimately are are, are yearning for employ, for employment. South Africans are yearning for for recovery. South Africans are yearning for uh, uh, you know a ris- bit of a respite in terms of the economic challenge that we that we experience that we experiencing. Unfortunately, Babu Mashita, we're gonna have to leave it there. We have run out of time, and it has been absolutely fascinating to hear your comments about very complex issues. I, and I think we're going to have to do this again so that we spend more time with you unpacking these critical issues that you have brought to, to that you have brought to our attention. Togo, 